Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? Today's guest on the podcast is Scott Snyder, president of the Exit Planning Institute. Scott was a teenage entrepreneur and clearly hasn't lost that entrepreneurial spirit. Now he aims his knowledge and energy to help business owners align their plans and purpose, which requires outlining an exit strategy. Scott has been working for years with his father, Chris Snyder, and together they have built EPI into an organization that has credentialed thousands of individuals as CEPAs, Certified Exit Planning Advisors. Don't exit just yet. Please enter the Generation Excellence podcast and enjoy my conversation with Scott Snyder. Well, good afternoon, Scott Snyder, and welcome to the Generation Excellence podcast. Thank, thank you for agreeing to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited about it. Yeah, you 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 are. Uh, I'm finding you, I assume, in kind of the the headquarters operation in Ohio near Cleveland, correct? Yeah, yeah, we're just outside of Cleveland on the west side, and uh, if people know the area, in a, a city called Westlake, Ohio, so yep. just outside of downtown. Know it well, and. Uh, you know, we we got introduced through your team, uh, you know, as I guess co-podcasters and all yeah, of right. <laughs> the things the things that we're doing. But you know, I I I like to kind of go back to beginnings with this, even though we're talking about kind of excellence and generations ahead. So your father, Chris, is that right? Yeah, um, got involved in this organization or the founding of it, or yeah, uh, you know, tw- almost twenty some years ago. Yeah. Just what what is? But then the acquirer of the venture more kind of yeah. more than a decade ago. Get what's what is the yeah. the, the mythology story as it's told <laughs> by you and family? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's I think it's a it's kind of a cool backstory. So uh, yeah, Exit Planning Institute was founded back in two thousand and five. So yeah, we're nearing our our twentieth, uh, I guess, anniversary. But nonetheless, uh, in two thousand seven, they came out with their credentialing program. And then shortly thereafter, in the third class ever, uh, my father, Chris Snyder, became a certified exit planning advisor. Got it. And uh, yeah, well, the interesting backstory in that, right, was he became a SEPA. And then I think if you talk to anybody kind of 2012 or earlier, the whole exit planning space, whether it was EPI or otherwise, always uh, this, this concept of exit planning was just that, just the kind of concept and philosophy big thing that that um, really stood out was, well, this all sounds great. How the heck do I go out and like, actually do this? Mm-hmm. And how do I showcase to an owner this journey? Where are the deliverables? Where's the endpoint? You know, well, how's this flow? So dad being a, kind of an old Price Waterhouse guy, very methodical okay. in his thinking, right? Created a process of his own. Now flat, and, and so now that's 2009 coming out of the SEPA program. And in 2010, I sold a company and like many business owners, uh, lacked a little bit in personal planning, though my dad was a SEPA. I was still a young man and um, kind of ventured around the, the you know, around for a little bit doing multiple things and then fell uh, into my dad's consulting practice, which I loved because he I was just always fascinated with entrepreneurs. 
and what they were doing. And then flash to your point, this acquisition, you know, those two years, what we realized is that dad and I truly wanted to do business together, that dad had really created a methodology and process that embraced these core concepts while adding some of his own. And that's really what the industry, the profession really needed. So we flipped the model. We said, look, instead of working with business owners directly, we think the need is they need business advisors I that believe see. in the same concept and methodology that have a unified approach. So let's take the methodology that dad created and teach it across the country, really across the world to, to business advisors, bringing together so, a, a big community. So we did that in 2012. And then, but the organization, the Exit Planning Institute or EPI, because I've run into it as a business owner yeah. and business leader. Sure is still doing content or things to introduce themselves or make themselves known directly to end companies, correct? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, but it's, but, yeah. but often it's to showcase those people that you have credentialed or trained. Or, and, 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 and in nowhere are you all advocating, pushing, forcing people to exit, to sell, to be done, right? It, no, it's not uh, about that at all, really. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what, what is it about, or what is this sure. idea of walking to one's destiny? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, Sure. So I think the, the destiny that I think we all have as business owners is that eventually our business is going to transact in some way. And it's likely for, for many business owners, regardless of age, our largest asset. We don't think about it like that, though. We think about it as our operating business. So one of the things that we teach at EPI is that the business is just another financial asset inside of your portfolio likely for business owners, it's your largest sure. and powers a lot of different elements of your life. Uh, and certainly uh, will be a big source of your quote retirement whenever that that comes. So, and I guess in short, what I would say is that no exit planning, we're not advocating that everybody needs to exit their company or that you start talking to us when you feel like you need to exit. I believe that the value acceleration methodology, the methodology that dad created back then that we now teach now, that we teach now, is a way of life. I say it's a business owners need to live a more value acceleration centric lifestyle that allows them to align three major elements that I think we all have as owners. The business matched okay. with who we are as a person, matched with our personal financial plan, and the kind of blend of those really creates something significant for us for, for, for business owners. So I don't particularly care if you're a 25 year old kind of just starting your first business or a 65-year-old trying to more immediately harvest the value of your company, we should be practicing exit planning. One, because I think it gives us a better business today and a more valuable one in the future. But if, at bare minimum, uh, it, we're all affected likely or, or may be affected, let's say, by what we call the five Ds, which are these five destructors of companies like a divorce, a death, mm -hmm. a disability, a partner disagreement, a dispute, that forcibly puts us out of our business. And I know a lot of owners may be thinking now, like, oh, Scott, I know that won't ever happen to me. I would say you sound like a typical owner. From an owner to an owner, you sound like a typical owner. But if it does, what happens to that largest asset that likely powers, powers many elements of your life? So is yeah. it fair, fair to say the, the organization you're leading is called Exit Planning Institute. You could, the accent isn't on the exit, it's on the planning. Uh, yeah, it's on the planning for the eventual exit, whether it's on your terms or no terms. Right, right. right. So, yeah. I mean, I touched very much by this. You and I set this date so far ago. I'm sitting here one week after the passing of my father. Oh, man. Interviewing you, 
Yeah. But also, you know, with with great comfort in that he had done all of the work both to have the business, mm -hmm. the who he is and the personal plan all together uh, aligned jokingly yeah. all on paper, nothing digital, but that's my dad's <laughs> yeah. generation. Right. And, right. and, 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 and so, you know, a little bit of work there, but, um, you know, it could have been many, could have been worse. many more yeah. of the D's could have been involved if things hadn't been done years ago. So he sure. absolutely Certainly. exited on, on his, on his terms. Uh, so is you, I mean, before we get into all the things that you're doing now for both Excel, sure. acceleration and accreditation, what uh, is is something that you, besides this value acceleration, is kind of part of like, there's some words behind you on the wall, people can't see that. What are like the <laughs> guiding mantras or, uh, you know, the thematics that are part of the, the founding and the roots of Exit Planning Institute? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, uh, and and there's there, there's many. And yeah, people were saw, saw me on camera. One of the walls that I sit in front of uh, is a wall with some of those kind of core concepts and and, and core values. I think that the I would sum it up in maybe maybe two. One, you heard me already introduce it to us. One of the things for us is that exit strategy is business strategy. There's nothing really different than there's really nothing different. Okay. We do things every single day in our business that eventually affect our exit. So why not why not make what we do every day a little bit more intentional and deliberate? Right? We talk about okay. venturing towards best in class businesses. We talk about relentless execution. We talk about uh, building uh, significant strategy. Uh, we talk about uh, the power of feedback in this whole in this whole uh, process as well. The other thing that doesn't necessarily hang behind me that I think hits a lot in these kind of mantras of, who we are as Exit Planning Institute and what we do is you hear a lot of times as a business owner or as a business leader that you need to start working more on the business and less in the business. And we hear it all the time as business owners. What you don't hear a lot about, and maybe this because it's a little corny, is that you don't hear a lot about, Scott, as a business owner, you got to start stop just living in your life and work on your life. So for us as business owners, there's two concurrent paths that we that we have. We've talked about them already a little bit. On, on the show is that there's this business element that for business owners, it's very natural for us to lead down this business path, of course, but there's this personal element that I think a lot of the times it goes uninvestigated. And then what happens okay. is we sell our company. And for me, when I sold my first company, and I then, and then you start to address that. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to? Yeah. Well, what you quickly realize, I mean, I did it at 24, you know, uh, maybe I was lucky. I did it at 24 and not 64 or 74. But at 24, when I exited my company, although I had a, a, a good exit and at the time being a, in my young 20s, a, a decent personal financial plan, I realized I, I let my business define me. And then I realized that I shouldn't have just been in love with that business, that in fact, I was I was not just in love with that business, that I was actually just in love with business. So my prior business was a landscape construction company. Okay. Polar, I actually went to horticulture school. And... Now my business is a professional education company. There's some similarities uh, in in them, believe it or not, but they're also. Oh, I believe it. I think I think know? there's sort of a biology to business. Exactly so. right. Yeah. So there's some similarities, but nonetheless, uh, from a technical standpoint, two polar opposite things and, and different types of of, of client, uh, different types of clientele. All of that again, going back to what you were saying earlier, it's not just about the exit; it's about the planning. 
But the reality is people have always said to us, Scott, you got to change the name of your company, man, because it's not just about the exit. And I was like, but it is at the end of the day, because we are all going to exit. We will all exit. It's called death. I will die and my business will go away. So, uh, or will it, right? Or does it get transferred? What does that right. look like? And That's I think that as a business yeah. owner, I just think that we're almost obligated, man, to like, we, we take on a bigger responsibility. I have a responsibility to my clientele that hold my designation, my 30 employees that that are here at EPI and, and let alone my own family. So if I, I die I, or I feel right, that like, I, I feel the same both burden and blessing to have that staff of the agency, yep. clients we serve, family that are involved, community is part of and and certainly that became kind of very front and center in in both, you know, yep. honoring and, and memory and celebrating my father's life because it's all he yep. had done for 50, 60 years. Right. What um what so what advice because you work with your father? Yeah. You then advise these people that, you know, you you're the advisors to the advisors, but you're also connected to these businesses of all types. So if you had someone kind of back to your, you know, 20 something when you had the landscape yeah. business and they're about to enter a family business, what advice do you give them? Uh what do you what do you what do you counsel yeah. them there as they're in their younger uh your, their younger years, and then we'll get to something else connected to that. Yeah, another excellent question. So I'd first lead with a potential tool. So there's a, a gentleman named Tom Deans, and he wrote a book, Every Family's Business. In the back of that book, there's a family business blueprint. And I go there first, because in my own business uh, with my dad, uh, we use the family business blueprint as a communication tool. So I guess what my advice would be entering that family business what mechanisms and, or platforms or tools do you have for effective communication? Because that's going to be the hardest part. Because yeah. and you're tied up in a little bit of the emotion that that's my dad, but it's also my business partner. For me, maybe it's a little different because dad and I are literal business partners. Like I have skin in the game. I think in many in many businesses that at least we see, we see a lot of gifting through generations. Mm -hmm. So even though the the from scratch generation had to invest a lot of money. The other one has maybe put a sweat equity into it, right? It might have worked there mopping floors and now it's the president sure. of the company, but they never actually had any skin in the game until parents actually gift the business down. Now they have some equity. But to get that equity, though they might have worked hard, they didn't really actually invest their own money. Sure. So um, I think that having that relationship, <laughs> right? Right. Having that relationship with mom or dad. Uh, having good communication, I think, is is absolutely critical. So, so describe your as you entered this. Uh, yeah. How would you describe the way you and your father make communicate and make decisions? Yeah. So we're actually very as you can imagine, teaching a methodology, right? We're very we're very deliberate and intentional in in what we do. So one, we lean on advisors when we have problems. So we have a right. formal advisory team. Uh, we have a form, formal board of advisors that we can lean into to say, look, me and dad believe we should go two different directions. What do you guys think? Um, but we also have formality. So we have a monthly uh, we have a monthly partners meeting, three hours. That's then then. So it's three hours. Then we go to dinner with my mom. My mom's totally outside of the business, but it allows me to spend a little extra time with mom and dad. And maybe in a heated conversation could be dialed back with a little just family dinner. So that dinner with mom, do you talk about the business? No, mom doesn't let us talk about the business. We might okay. bleed over I'm like maybe in this podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like we might bleed over another 10, 15 minutes of 
of hey, these went. Uh, we got to finish up some some not stuff. Not a board meeting. Okay. Not a board meeting. And mom's always like, mom. So we do it deliberately too at my dad's house in his kitchen at his kitchen island. Sure. Um, these stand up kitchen island partners meetings are like a thing for us. And you could tell when it's time to wrap up because mom comes from upstairs to downstairs. Parents have one of those like great rooms. So right flowing from the kitchen into the into the family room is the or is the is the family room. Mom won't say anything. She'll come down those stairs, turn on the TV, put it up relatively loud. So it's actually super disruptive to our meeting. But it knows that it's time to dial it back or dial it or it's time to you know dial it down because it's time. It's time for the meeting, but any, nonetheless, any other siblings involved in the? No, I have one younger sister uh, who's an attorney, so she's certainly very okay. in tune to what goes on in the business. Uh, she's in real estate law, but also wants nothing to do with the business. She, she, I don't know how you and Dad do business every day for almost my almost like my entire career. Though my dad wasn't directly invested in my original business. He was my biggest mentor and the bank for the first half of that for that business because I couldn't get any financing at 16. And now directly as my business partner at 51% equity stake as, and I own 49. So dad Sweet. still has control, but nonetheless. Um, so yeah, yeah you, Ash, you, Ashley, my sister, not not in the business. But you keep, you keep, you keep answering a bunch of my bit. questions without me asking them, which is great. Yeah. Uh, no, that's <laughs> the neat thing to have that relationship and have that sort of the the men, the mentoring that comes yeah comes from it what from that of uh, the 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 you know kind of uh, partners meeting which is literally yep. a kitchen cabinet because the kitchen cabinets yep. are around you there at that right. island what would be an example of something new that you're either um, you know kind of brought into the business as a uh, you know a different process or mm -hmm something that that you're you're implementing so for us our i would say it's a struggle i guess but i would say one of the new things for us this year is that my dad uh is 100 out of the operations of the business he doesn't even have an office inside of the epi office so again okay. maybe I'm a, maybe a little unique in our family business but but dad is almost more like an investor than an operator so the problem with that is that as 51% owner of EPI, he does want to be in tune to his business. So one of the things that we're doing uh, for him to also gather some feedback, not just on the company, but how he operates inside of the company, is he also has a quarterly meeting uh, with our executive leadership team. So he can get in tune to the marketing stuff that right. we're doing and some of the data that we're tracking. He could get in tune to the sales and business development approach, the product development and approach, the strategic relationships, the operations of the business, and not just learn from his son, me, but learn from these people that are outside of the business, uh, but very ingrained into what we do here at EPI as, as executive so, so leaders. What, you know, with with the thing, you know, you have a thing called Snyder Premier Growth, so that sure. sounds like it's focused on something. Then you've mm -hmm. got planning. So what for Exit Planning Institute and for you as a business leader, what are you, what is, what's five years from now, what are you trying to do with EPI, with that business? Yeah, sure. So EPI, I would like to say when we bought it, even though we bought it 10 years ago and it was established at that time for, I guess, five to six years, uh, was still in infancy. So we had 120, uh, 120 certified exit planning advisors, whereas today, 10 years later, we have 5,000. Wow. Okay. And if you compare that, though, though that growth is massive, 
we work in a professional designation space. So we work with certified financial planners. There's a hundred thousand with lots of letters after their name. Yeah, right. Lots of letters. So there's a hundred thousand of them in in a hundred thousand of them inside of the United States. And if you looked at your certified public accountants or CPAs, there's six hundred and sixty thousand of them. So there's only five thousand of us. So the goal, when you ask me about where we're at three to five years, uh, I think there's continued growth to the goal of ten thousand certified exit planning advisors, uh, which will likely hit in, in in the matter of the next three years but a continued impact on the way business owners are operating their businesses and living their life as, as, a, as a business owner. So EPI is where I spend almost 100% of, of my time. Snyder Premier Growth, another company that you mentioned, is basically a, 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 an investment company for Dad and I. So Dad and I, our original goal was to invest in multiple small businesses that we could utilize our own methodology to grow from 1 million in revenue to five or five to 10, I got it. whatever right. that Practice might be. Practice what you preach, right? Practice what we preach and okay. buying and, and giving an exit option, right? I think for smaller companies, right? When you're an owner operator type company, uh, maybe under a, even a million dollars of revenue, who's going to be your successor? Uh, so that provides a successor. Uh, East Snyder Premier Growth or what we call SPG provides a successor for those smaller companies, uh, smaller companies as, as well. So Snyder Premier Growth has invested in real estate, small companies, uh, and things of that nature as, as well. So for me, I, I in five years, I'd like to be spending maybe a little bit more time in those small businesses uh, and being able to really decentralize myself from the business like we've decentralized dad over the last three to five years. Uh, go go into the personal space a little bit because you talked about don't be defined by your business. It could be yeah. all business, and here we talk and however many minutes business, about business, know, a business and business yeah. is. And you know you're you're you've got passions. I mean you're a labeled as a former pro soccer player. Does that mean you don't <laughs> play soccer anymore, or yeah. What, yeah. what what do you do outside sure. of business to keep balanced, to keep sane, to keep fit, whatever? Yeah, I'm totally, I totally, it's such a great, it's such a great question. And I've as, admittedly struggled with this over the last maybe three years. I think I've, I've got it kind of down now. We did some like really intense uh, leadership and personal purpose training uh, as a whole organization through our pandemic. So that was a real big catalyst. So for me, if you looked at, so in, 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 you can find this in research for the audience, just Google personal purpose and and, and, Amer and Americans' relationship with it. 72% of Americans apparently walk through life with no sense of purpose or meaning. And so a big stat for us, because a lot, I think, no, no like it's kind of like, duh, that no wonder people don't do personal planning because they don't even understand why they're here. For me, I was able to discover that through some deep work uh, over the last couple of years. My purpose is to build transformational experiences for people. That's really what I'm about. Okay. Uh, whether that was in landscape and building a transformational patio that allowed people to have more family time next to their in-ground pool, or whether it's here at EPI, developing transformational learning experiences that allow people to have deeper relationships with business owners and eventually a relationship that harvests the value of the biggest asset. So I carry that into my life across the board. So. For me, the professional soccer thing was right after I sold my business. I said, why not try out for this? And I ended up making the team. And I said, oh, crap, what do I do now? <laughs> so I played in the major arena soccer league, which okay. is the yep. highest level of arena soccer you could play uh, in the United States. But uh, I also do a lot of uh, uh, charitable and community work, whether that's within the city that I live in or I sit on a couple of boards. 
uh, that allow uh, community engagement, literacy, community and uh, 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 community uh, collaboration, and things of that nature. Uh, so for me, uh, I think maybe to more directly answer your question, I believe that there's no such thing as work-life balance. I believe naturally we're not balanced people. There's sure. if you talk to 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 my wife and my three kids. They would say, dad spends a lot of time at work, right? So naturally I'm not balanced. But if you ask them now while they're perhaps out of school uh, and in their summer break, does dad spend more time at the office or at work? They might actually say, well, dad actually spends a lot of time with us. So I believe that when we look at our lives, we have to be blended instead of balanced and that it's seasonal. So, uh, yeah, and I like, you know, I've, right? I've, I like that concept too, because you have periods where you're doing something really intense. You yeah. put a lot into it. You have other periods. So it's 100%. seasons, episodes, you know, you, you can't balance when you're doing something massively important, yeah. but you can't do something so, massively important 365. Right. Yeah. So for me at the beginning of the year, we work towards the end of April, basically May 1st. Then it's one, almost totally focused on producing our large exit planning summit event, which is the largest exit okay. planning centric conference in, in the United States today. And so out of the gates, January through April 30th, I'm pretty concentrated on helping build that event, yeah, put on the show. getting yeah. us out of the gates. Then pretty much May through October 1st uh, is more of a blend of family time. We own a, a an RV, so we love doing a lot of, we do maybe a dozen or more RV trips a year. And then as the kids go back to school and, and, and as we move into the fall, uh, we get really into the end of the year which for us in professional credentialing uh, is a big time only because a lot of our advisors have a lose it or use it type budget. So they're looking at setting up their year with some of the budget money that they have from this year. So they say, look, I know I want to earn this credential or go to this conference or have this mm -hmm. learning opportunity. Let me spend the, I have a little bit of budget money left. Let me spend it now so that I can go to the programs next year. So we ramp up sales, we ramp up strategic stuff. And so the end of the year tends to be, uh, busy for us too. So for me, it's, you know, I love uh, the community that I live in. I love teaching fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, the family and I do a lot of RVing and um, it's kind of that blend or, or balance for me. Neat. We have a client, very one of the largest independent operator of seller and servicer of RVs in North America. Oh, cool. So, they have to be busy as hell right now. They're, they've been, they've been busy as hell as long as I've known them. They, have, they would say <laughs> okay, there's some good. flows and seasons to their business too, but they've, they've been very, uh, very, very good at, at value acceleration. I would say, uh, you know, one of the things I love asking people about is like, they have all this stuff they've done and learned and mentored and coach others. And then there's something they're working on right now. There's some new skill. They're learning to sing. They're learning, like, what's something you're experimenting with? What's a new skill capability that's that's new on, on uh, your New skill and capability. Sharpening your purpose. I would say uh, maybe sharpening purpose or maybe broadening my perspective. This might sound weird to you. Uh, I am, so I grew up very Catholic, very, you know, very religious. I literally from kindergarten to even the first year of college before I went okay. to horticulture school, went to a private Catholic school. And in my, I'm uh, nearly 40 now. So in my, in this decade of my life, I've been fascinated with world religions and the way people think and the influences that they have on their life. And so uh, I don't know if it's a skill per se, although there's probably multiple skills that I'm learning within it. 
I do not find myself to be a very religious person today, but I find myself almost yearning, if you will, to find something that I can hang on to. The, the, and, and but the, the study of other religions is yeah, so the study of other and then I think that it does allow me to just understand people better. Sure. And so I don't know if it's like a what direct skill I'm getting out of it, but my brain really goes there. You're, you're doing it at 40. My, my mother-in-law took a course at the community college in her 80s on comparative religion. So yeah, see, never too so, late. Yeah. So there you go. I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating to to at least have an understanding. Yeah, I might not agree with what where they're coming from, but truly have an understanding of their lifestyle and and what where they came from. I just I, think it it allows it, you to be a better leader. I mean, it appears to me. I mean, we start talking about. Financial advisors, CPAs, the languages they speak, those are, you know, basically math. It's black and white stuff a lot. Yeah, sure. You start talking about defining your purpose and and, and that mm -hmm. long planning, the, the, that stuff, you really got to know where people are coming from, and right? And it can be their upbringing, their religion, their their. A lot of it. Their knows. competition, their whatever, you know, how they basically how they tick. Yeah, exactly uh, right. I mean, that's a lot of what I think we do as ad agency. I mean, you got to know the end audience, but you also got to know your clients. And and that's true. And, and as, sometimes yeah, as I think an agency, I can assume. I could assume. I think we're good at good assessors of people. So you sort of know, you know, know your audience is still an important kind of thing. And, but to your point, now think about a technician, right? In tax and law and investing, not necessarily a soft issue kind of person, right? So that is to your point. One of the biggest struggles in our in our organization is that the personal financial stuff comes pretty you know easy for 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 an advisor. The business stuff they understand the business stuff. It's how do I help an owner put that personal planning that element personal and everything? Plan. It it, sure. it it really is a more of a deep conversation. So yeah, you're absolutely right. yeah. No, no, you're. It, it, I mean, you're you're laying them down on the couch at that point. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's it's it it's not a different conversation. They and they and as you said, they're they're all entwined. Uh, the business that you're in and you get to work with, your mother comes down and closes out the meetings and <laughs> you work you work with your father. What is the most fulfilling thing for you about this? What is that yeah. you have is a generational business. It's newer it than some that I've talked to but you've probably connected with and advised some that have, you know, some real incredible track records. What, 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 what inspires you about that kind of thing that you and your dad are doing? I think that for me, it's, it's interesting too, because I just talked to a couple owners about like third generation owners. I would guess I would say I'm second generation. I'd be part of that. Yep. Your third generation. What's like your legacy. I always think it's harder as you get older in the generations uh, to to understand what that legacy is. For me, I think that I would love to be known as a guy and, and what's most fulfilling about what I do today is seeing the methodology that my dad created 10 years ago really come alive. I think that you can now see 10 years later the impact that it's having on business owners, the impact that it's having on professional advisors and how they're connecting using that methodology. Uh, it's super, it's like a, a super fulfilling uh, process to see dad be able to kind of sit back and say, wow, it, that little idea that we had 10 years ago is, is, is really come together. And I just think that, you know, the one problem that I might've had in my old business of landscape construction is that I don't know how purpose driven it was. Right. So like this business for me, at least personally, 
is super fulfilling seeing business owners have an issue with their son or daughter and be able to solve that issue using in part our methodology or go from having minimal exit options to having multiple exit options or go from a small valuation to a big valuation and be able to to build these or really be able to transfer these things that they've built their companies for generations to come. But directly, I would say one of the most fulfilling things and, and that really makes me tick and go is seeing dad's methodology really come alive across a whole market and, and profession. Well, and that is, is it that vision, that methodology, both the, the traction that EPI has gotten as an organization, or is it those earliest people he interacted with are still doing it 10, 20 years later, they're yeah. better at it now. Yeah. The businesses are successful. So it's kind of like the, it's or, both. you know, the person who's an overnight success that took 22 years. Yeah. Right? No, it's both. Right. Because you're absolutely right. Again, we've changed our perspective, but if you did rewind 2008, nine, 10, dad was working with that methodology directly with business owners and mostly locally here in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Uh, and yeah, they've transferred to. So, so he was doing that work in that tough time acquired the thing in 2012. So it's not, it's so common as I, these, these businesses I've talked to on this, our business formed in 1929. Wow. And you know what happened after that. Yeah. Then right. You talk to these people that started these businesses in, you know, when there were gas lines and things were yeah. whatever they were in the seventies, then you have, you know, the businesses that were formed, you know, right before nine 11. I mean, it's, it's sometimes out of those pressure mm -hmm. moments that right. a lot of businesses, when you then look back on them, have their, 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 their yeah, genesis man. kind of. It's uh, yeah, your business, you guys got to be gritty guys, man. I mean, to, to last that long and, and, and think about the major maybe pivots or milestones that affected you guys. So I think, I mean, well, you know, for our business, we talk about a business that was formed creating artwork for the jewelry industry and these Mac kits as they called them and what was originally just print advertising. Yeah. And then, and then the death of every medium has been called like, you know, newspapers are dead. They're still out there. Then cable television is done and outdoor is done and outdoor outdoor, I think is now a, you know, $4 trillion global industry. Uh, digital is going to replace everything. Now it's 56% of all spend. I mean, it's, it's uh you have to, it is a bit more zenish with your flow with the water of the, all the channels we have to put messages out. I don't know that yeah. we were brilliant at planning and figuring that out. I think we did have just some resilience and some adaptability in us as an agency to ride those things and not go all in on the right or the, or not go all in on the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I just think about it. Just think about to me, thinking about your business is so interesting because the world of advertising, marketing, selling business, you know, business development from 1929 to 2023 has evolved so much. Evolved so uh, much. I do just, think there are some principles that sort of apply and stay. Yeah, of course. Sure. And when you talk about your roots and horticulture and landscape design, I mean, design still can be a dramatic competitive advantage. Apple's proven. Yeah beautification of something can be what you're trying to do. I mean, people love a before after. So you can take something from something to something as marketers or as business people. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. It's not easier. 
Um, no, it's no. the pace. The pace is fast. I mean, I do this podcast to learn and to grow, yeah. to get yeah. insights and ideas and inspiration. And and I, because I'm exactly what you said. I was not the founder rolling up sleeves, building a business in the depression. I wasn't even the second generation that were the entrepreneurs and said, let's let's make this a little more professional and yeah. regional or whatever. The third generation is kind of like, all right, how do we put our mark on this? That's and, what I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah. And I and 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 I like your concept of the business harmony of your life and who you are and the business and the personal and the clients you serve and all of those intersections. So mm. is there anything that you know I forgot to ask or touch on as it relates to like your your business career, your uh fire for for advising people on on their businesses? No, I think that uh, we really went, we kind of went everywhere, I think. So, and even learned a little bit more about your business, hopefully as well, for some of, yeah, some of your, do you, some of your did, listeners. Did you have, uh, how often does HBO succession come up as a point of reference? Oh my God, it comes up all the time. Now those are, that's some pretty, those are big, wealthy families, right? So that, that's not the normal, I would say, you know, uh, like across America, but yeah, people talk about succession in our, in our business all the time, all the time. Yeah, no, it's it's a good point of reference for like this podcast. I explain to people rarely, rarely, rarely is the drama anywhere near that. That's why that makes. That's what my point is, right? It's yeah. so certainly for TV, but and and there are certainly families that we've seen that happen with. But yeah, that, that's I don't know if that's necessarily the normal for family business across America. Sure. Well, Scott Snyder, I I, I thank you for. I, I think you're the first pro soccer player, business <laughs> advisor, generational person on yeah. the Generation Excellence podcast. It's Thank you. You know, pleasure to meet you in this virtual way. Appreciate Very it. Very cool. Thank you for having me. Generation Excellence is a production of SMZ Advertising. Thanks to Joel Bienenfeld, Jeff Martin, and Bridget Georgeski for help with this program. Thank you for listening. And please share, leave reviews, and contact me if you have any thoughts, ideas, questions. Until next time.